I want you to think for just a moment about the incidences related to the attack that took place against Israel October 7th of this year, 2023. Over the last two weeks, we've watched as Hamas, under a negotiated ceasefire, has released 102 of the 237 hostages taken on that fate-filled day. Now, as the hostages are returned to families, which do you believe will prove more difficult to overcome? The physical atrocities experienced or the psychological ones? So if you're like most, the answer to that question comes pretty quickly. Physical atrocities, including beatings, uh, sleep deprivation, starvation, they'll pass some, somewhat quickly. Here, here's what will not. The deep scars locked within the psyches of those who have suffered, raising for me the awareness of our need for a God who does not abandon us in times of trouble, but who brings a depth of hope into our very being. Today, I want to welcome you back to God-sized living. Uh, we've been off over the last two weeks for the celebration of Thanksgiving, and I hope yours was as good as mine. I love Thanksgiving, in part because it's a holiday that we celebrate without a lot of accoutrements attached. During the Christmas season, there are trees to decorate, outdoor lights to install, ornaments to hang, gatherings to attend, cards to write, gifts to buy, mail. The list just goes on. Thanksgiving, cook a turkey. <laughs> That's it. I smoked mine. Bake some pies. I love pies. And just give thanks. Thanks for the presence of God, even in those times of life where things are hard. In this season of God-sized living, we're entering into a book of the Bible where life was hard for those following Jesus. We're looking, of course, at 1 Peter. The letter, remember with me, is being written 64 AD, one of the most tumultuous periods in Christian history. While there was no Hamas, there was Rome. And under Nero, Rome turned ugly for Jesus' followers, who the emperor blamed for fires that destroyed a good portion of the city. While many Christians were killed outright, many were taken much like the hostages in Israel today, captive. So today we're going to do this. We're going to move into verses 3 to 12 of Peter's letter, chapter 1. Here's what I love about this section. It's a reminder that in the worst of life's circumstances, we are never alone. God is present within us. Not only present, but in a deep and intimate way, he ministers to us. He brings hope into our dark nights. So as, as we look at this section together, I want to invite you to, to think about something. My, my question, when is the last time you experienced something so overwhelming, you wondered, really wondered how you would make it through? For some that are listening, it may have been a long time ago, sometime at least since you've gone through the dark night. For others, you've experienced something heavy more recently. I have a suspicion, in fact, that there's some of you that are in the midst of a difficult time today, and I'm not talking about something casually difficulty. I'm talking about experiencing a time, maybe right now, where you do not have answers to the issues that you face. If that's you, I'm glad you're here today, and I'm going to tell you why. The words in front of us remind us that in the darkest of our nights, God is near. 
So as we turn to uh, chapter 1, verses 3 to 12 of 1 Peter, I want to start with a word. The word is doxology. Doxology. Does it sound familiar to you? As a kid, I grew up in a church that's considered liturgical in style. Each week, uh, when we would gather for worship, we would sing through parts of a worship service designed really to take us on a journey into the presence of God. To this day, I'm able to close my eyes, and without the aid of a hymnal or formal uh, order of worship, I, I can, should you ask me to, sing through the entire worship service that I grew up with. I can do it verbatim. In fact, I find it comforting. Now, if there's one part of liturgical worship that I've always found uplifting, it is the doxology. Do you know it? The words of the doxology are simple. It goes like this. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures here below. Praise him above you heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. You know, whether, whether you like contemporary or liturgical worship, you have to admit that is a beautiful song. But, but what does it mean? Why do we sing it? How did it become part of a long-standing liturgical tradition? So let me come back to the word doxology. When you hear this word, what comes to your mind? What, what does the word actually mean? I want to break it apart. The word is a composite word. That is, it's a word made up of two words. The first part of the word doxology stems from the Greek word doxa. It is the word for glory. The second part of the word, ology, attaches to the Greek word lagos, which means word. Here I want you to think about Jesus, who said to us, I am the word become flesh, who dwells amongst you. So when you put the, the word together and you begin to study it within the various contexts of its use, here's what you discover, that most often when the term doxa or in this case, doxology, are used. It refers to the fact that Jesus, the word, is present among us. I want you to think about the angels in the fields outside of Bethlehem at the birth of Jesus. So what, what is it they sang to the shepherds? Glory to God. The glory of God, the word, is what? Present. He is present in good times. He is present in bad. He is present when life is going well and when it feels like it is falling apart. He's present in the sanctuary where we worship him, and in a tunnel, hundreds of feet below the ground surface of Gaza. He is present. Peter is telling the hearers who are undergoing persecution in Rome, he is not absent. He has not abandoned you. He is not distant. He is here, whether it feels like it or not. I want you to hear these words in Scripture today. The words that Peter gives us, uh, beginning again, First Peter chapter, chapter 1, verses 3 and following. Just pray over that with me, Lord. Would you give us your, your wisdom as we open this word and let it come into us. Not only our ears, but our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's what Peter says, quote, Blessed be, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept for you in heaven, who by God's power 
are being guarded through faith for our salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. End quote. By the way, this section of 1 Peter is typically referred to as Peter's doxology, his statement that in the midst of trials, God is present. You can hear it, right? Peter is saying doxa. God is present in pain. Let me tell you that one of the things that really got me thinking about what Peter is saying here is an old book. I don't know if you remember the book uh, titled The Shack by William Young, written back in 2007. But I, I know for me, though the book was a bit controversial when it came out, um, it, it has provided for me powerful insights into what it means to discover the peace and presence of Jesus in the midst of pain. If you remember the book, it begins with an abduction, an abduction, and then a murder of a young girl. Think about the hostages that we began with today. As you can imagine, the murder of a daughter turns the father, a key character in the book, away from God. He wants nothing more to do with God. And I must say that as readers, we relate. We relate to a dad who's lost his daughter. And not just lost her, but in a horrible circumstance. We relate to his anger. We relate to his dismay. We relate to his questioning of God. God, where were you? Why didn't you protect her? How can you call yourself God and allow this? Needless to say, when the father receives an invitation from God to come and meet together, meet me, God says in the shack. He refuses. I will not. Of course, if you remember the book, it continues on, and ultimately the father does accept the invitation. He ends up in the shack where he discovers a God that he did not meet in church, but who comes to life for him and begins to walk with him through a journey, a painful journey, of not only the pain that relates to his daughter's death, but the pain of having to learn what it means to forgive and to allow God to be God in the midst of pain. If you feel that, I really do believe you're beginning to relate to what we're reading when we open the pages of the Bible to 1 Peter. In 64 AD, Nero would abduct Hamas-style sons and daughters. He would force them into unthinkable acts prior to killing them and laughing as he did. Christians were in massive pain. Why God? Why did you not prevent this? Could you not protect our children? Have you simply abandoned us? God seemed distant, inept, uncaring. And then these words, they're a doxology, they're a statement. These words are Peter's way of saying, but wait, God is not distant. He is present and in his presence is hope. Listen again to the words, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you just say blessed? What's blessed about him? Hasn't he abandoned us in our time of need? Peter would say not at all. In fact, he's in it and through it. Listen to these next words. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope. You know why he calls it living? Living hope? Because he is. Jesus is our living hope. And no matter what you're going through, he's not absent. He is present with the hope of the cross. He is present with the hope that Christmas brings. 
the hope that no matter what happens to us in this world, we will have life and life with him forever. Daksa. No matter what's going on in your life right now, he is present. So allow me to ask you a couple of questions today, and then we'll come to a close. The first question, where, where does God seem distant in your life right now? It's just a, don't, don't answer that too quickly. I want you to really ponder it. As Christmas approaches, part of us wants to sing all is well. But I also know something. The season can be hard. There's a reason that many slide into depression or fight with familiar demons. Every ad we watch on television invites us to be happy, but we're not. There's places in our life where the realities of this fallen world come crashing down. And sometimes, let's just acknowledge this, God can seem distant. So where is that for you? Where are you feeling like, God, I don't feel you here. Question number two. In what ways does the word doxa challenge our feeling that God is distant? How does doxa, this doxology of Peter's, challenge the sense that we have within us that God is distant? Because I, I believe that it does. Doxa is meant to say that no matter how you feel, God is present. It is standing in front of us, doxa, in order to teach us that faith is not a feeling. It's a promise. Jesus promised to use this, I will never leave you, forsake you, or abandon you. My prayer is that the, the doxology that, that Peter is speaking into the Christians in Rome as they're enduring tremendous pain can allow you and I not to have the pain just taken away from us, but to recognize that God is in the midst of it. He is not distant. One last question. Do you believe that? I want to tell you this is my greatest hope for you. As we put Thanksgiving in the rearview mirror and begin to view Christmas in the windshield, my hope for you is simply this, that no matter what is happening in your life, you know, deep down inside, know that Jesus is doxa present. Well, that's it for today. I want to thank you for listening. As Christmas approaches, I'm committed to praying for you and your family. I'm just going to ask that you uh, would pray for myself and, and ours. So until next week, have a God-sized week.
have a God-sized week.